What's up, everybody? Will Bradley here, your host of the Adventurous Gentleman Podcast. If you haven't already, please follow us on Instagram and give us a like on Facebook and subscribe on YouTube. Today's guest is Mark Martinez. Mark is a genius as far as I'm concerned. He's the man who came up with the plan for titanium hammers, which I happen to own, and it is amazing, as well as a really cool and interesting history of how he got in the business, started the business. Uh, it's, it's really a cool company, Martinez Tools. If you haven't checked them out, please do. Instagram, Facebook, I think it's martinezTools.com. As always, if you need any optics, use the coupon code NBHGIFT at checkout when you order your Maven optics, and they will send you some free swag. Which is pretty awesome. Uh, that's about it. So, here we go. If you are ready to take the hard road, the road less travelled, the path in life where the journey is more important than the destination, then you are in the right place. Prepare to live with vigour. This is the Adventurous Gentleman Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Adventurous Gentleman Podcast. Today I have on a guest who, if you are in the construction trades, you will know the name. For those of you who are also carrying a titanium hammer around in your tool belt, you have this man to thank. He's a legend in the industry who is not done writing his legend yet. Mark Martinez, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Um... Uh, I really appreciate that, and uh, <clears throat> those are some awful big words, but, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll try and live up to them. They are big so. words, but I've been doing construction since I was around 14. My dad owns a company. I've been working in the trade, banging hammers out there with the guys. I started working, you know, 40 to 50-hour weeks on framing crews, doing a lot of janitorial work, you know, basic gopher, bum boy stuff. And I can remember the day came shortly. I, I uh, went to Marshall State College. I graduated with a degree in residential construction, came back working on the crew, and half our crew left to go start their own company. And it was mm -hmm. left up to me and the guy who was the most senior guy who didn't leave to build this spec house that was kind of going to be our Mona Lisa, if you will. You know, this is the thing to show what we can do. And upon a, a completing it, we were both given a stiletto hammer. And that's back mm. in the day when you were running the company. And that right. hammer changed everything I knew about what a hammer could be. I, I, that's a real interesting because I've heard that story over and over and over and over. And that's exactly what stiletto was all about is. You know, but when you, I mean, the failures that I have were catastrophic in trying to bring hammer technology to people. And um, until I came across the titanium solution, there wasn't anything novel about my designs or my concepts that were any different than anybody else, other than I was the one who brought the uh, commercial nail set to framing hammers okay now don't get me wrong people will probably go, oh he's not the one well no i wasn't the thing is the japanese and their dog you model has had a magnet in the head for many years 
But back in the day, you know, when uh, pre-Stiletto and early days of, of Hart and all those guys, um, I saw many guys taking Delugis, which Delugi was a very, very uh, finer underground hammer. And the reason why it was so underground is because Joe Delugi put but a few, and it made everybody think that you couldn't get them. And his marketing was genius, but it was just that he didn't know how to make them. So obviously, he knew how to make them, but he didn't know how to make them in large supplies. So therefore, their availability translated into designer, which I'm not going it balance-wise, it, it was definitely a premier and best over all the other California gamers. Har, Vaughn, all of them. The Luffy prevailed. But, you know, it was a very underground uh, movement in Southern California. Well, that was primarily the market that they could supply. But, obviously, guys moving out of Southern California and going to the different parts of the country and dragging their Delugis along. It wasn't long and other people were being made aware of this designer hammer. But um, what I was going to get at is in Southern California, guys would take and put their Delugi heads onto, um, onto a, a metal cutter and they would slice a groove into the top of the hammer head. And that groove, they would try and make it in a V-slot. And the reason they would do that is they, would, they wouldn't put a magnet or anything, but that V-slot, what they would do is they'd press a 16 into that V-slot, and just the pressure of them pressing it into that V-slot would hold it enough to where they could stick it in the wood. Well, I'm sure that idea came from the dog you model of the Japanese hammer. Well, when I saw that, I go, why haven't literally machined the slot into the head and then put a magnet in there and hold it like the Japanese do. I mean, it was a no-brainer. Well, I was the first one to make a hammer that had commercially done to a, to a California framework-type style hammer. You know, so... That, and to clarify what a, what a California-style hammer is, Everybody knows that it's a rigger's axe with the blade cut off with claws welded onto it, okay? And the way that you know that you have a California hammer, style hammer, is it has an axe eye, okay? And when you look at an axe, it's in a, where you put the handle into it, it's in a teardrop shape. That's called axe eye. And that's part of the balance because the, the metal tapers back into a into a tapered feel which really gives you good balance whereas an adzai is the square opening in a hammer handle and if you look at a adzai versus an axi one looks you know aerodynamic the other one looks like a bulk just a bull you know and consequently that translates into feel so back in the day when guys loved the raking axes, the unions wouldn't let them use them, use them due to the axe blade being unsafe and yada, yada, yada. You know, guys said, well, I'll cut the blade off and weld claws on it. Well, that truly was an incredibly balanced hammer. 
in Northern California, the guys that were doing them, and they were doing them in the late 60s, okay, um, because they were pretty, I mean, they were intermittent when I came into it in 1970. But I did see them. And in Northern California, they called them uh, San Jose's. In Southern California, they called them uh, California conversions. So that's the history of how the whole design, uh, in a nutshell, came about. Oh, and I will bring up that you did do a podcast previously with the Modern Craftsman, which you covered kind of your origin story to say if you were, you know, a superhero telling yeah, you. Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't want to revisit all that. Yeah. Just so like anybody, that. yeah, anyone who may want to hear, we're going to cover probably some more stuff going forward from there. So anybody who wants to hear that, I would highly recommend checking out that podcast because it was a really great episode. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, here now here I sit, top of the ninth inning, you know, and uh, it, it's feeling really, really good, you know, that I never dreamed in the wildest dreams that it would come to this. You know, initially trying to sell a hammer that cost five times more than what you're typically used to paying, you know, it's a monumental task. But here's the irony in what is happening is I'm doing the same thing with precision measuring instruments and squares and, and things of this nature. And it's, it costs a lot of money to develop this stuff. I mean, uh, you just don't go out and make this stuff happen. You, you've got to put a lot of capital out to make it work. And yet I'm still being land based about, you know, the rip off on, you know, how, how can you set my You know, I'm being as fair as I can to keep the doors open and keep things moving forward. But, you know, I just ask everybody, if you can't afford it, I totally understand. You know, and if your job doesn't call for it, why would you buy it? But at the same time, if you, if you really like it and it does something for you that you can see an advantage to it over the way that you've been doing it before, well, Obviously, you know, if it saves you time, time is money. If, if it's saving you time, it saves money. And anything that saves you over time will pay for itself. So um, I don't want to make any apologies for what it is that I'm making and charging because, you know, if, if it was all about that, I wouldn't be doing it. You know, I'd just rather go back to just ranching ranching nuts and saying, I, I don't need the aggravation, but it's not even the aggravation as much as it is how compelled I am to knowing that these tools need to be implemented if the trades are going to move forward and there's going to be better solutions as to one, the tools you use and the systems that you use to uh, further elevate the evolution of building. Think about it if if everybody still balloon framed. Mm -hmm. Think about it. If everybody uh, still had to use screwdrivers to put screws into, into metal or wood, um, as opposed to the new, you know, cordless drills and stuff. 
You know, so many things have evolved that cost more money to initially set yourself up, but overall it's made a better product and it's, and it's, uh, made for, you know, better timeframes in, in getting the job done. So that is my primary focus is developing tools where it's going to move the trades forward and not backwards. Uh, from what I've seen from the tools you're now making and from the hammer I have, it is a step forward to what the other options are. Well, stop and think about what what is happening here, okay? Titanium, I don't know how the procurement of titanium is going to be further down the line. Whether or not it will evolve into a very predominant metal, but you can't make mass amounts of it. It's very hard to produce. Now, as far as the mineral titanium, it's one of the biggest minerals on planet Earth. There's no problem. It's mining it and getting it. It's turning it in, you know, from from ore into a, a metal is extremely expensive, time-consuming. Therefore, I don't know if at one time, I mean, just like Stiletto, at one point in one day, I got a 40% increase on titanium in one day. It almost sunk the company. But uh, the same thing could happen. And this time it makes it unreachable to buy titanium. At that point, do I decide, well, I'm out of, I'm out of the titanium business, but think about what I left behind. Okay. I don't think people are grasping what I've done here. Okay. And I'm not saying this to pump myself up or anything, but let's say something happens to me. I'm not a chick. Okay. If something were to happen to me and I needed to pull back and I say, I, I can't make the hammers anymore due to cost increases, due to people don't want to make them anymore, or there's just no way for me to procure the handles. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah. And I would say that, I mean, myself having carried it for, I mean, it's got to be over 10 years now. Uh, it's No, I'm not talking about the stiletto. I'm talking about the martini. Oh, what you're doing as far as that, I'm saying just the whole, just bringing titanium into the trade itself, creating the hammer itself, I mean, to me, is an impressive enough thing to stand on and say, look at what I did. You know, everything yeah, after okay. that is even more impressive. <laughs> but the hammer has changed. Okay, I really, yeah. You know, to me, but I, I you could have... I guess what I was trying to point out, and I have a, I'm long-winded at telling stories, but, um, and I apologize for that, but uh, here's the story I was trying to tell with that. Say, for instance, something happened to me. All the stilettos sooner or later would wear out and there wouldn't be anything you could do with them other than just throw them in the titanium scrap heap, mm-hmm. okay? Every one of them. They, they wouldn't be any good anyway. On the other hand, Anybody who owns a Martinez hammer, as long as they had that titanium handle, I have made arrangements that grips would always be available for it because we're not going to rub out, run out of rubber and nylon anytime soon, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's available, readily available, right? So what uh, you're saying is I better go buy a Martinez just for my backup. What I'm telling you, is if I stop selling these tomorrow, anybody who had that handle would always be able to get a head and a handle for the next millennium. 
anybody who owns a stiletto, once it's wore out, it's over. That is an interesting. Yeah, and I'll be honest, my next hammer, uh, I might just, even before the stiletto runs out, I've been eyeing up a Martinez hammer. And I recently heard you talk about uh, you're going to be, do you already or will you be doing Cerakote, custom Cerakote colors? I've been playing around with it. I've been playing around with it. I have some red ones that didn't go through that well and they got some blends on them. But, you know, the, you know, the surface of these hammers are, you know, harder than Chinese arithmetic. You you know what I mean? (laughs) They're, they're tough, but, but, you know, they're not absolutely solid, 100% painted perfect. Okay. Well, that's because I'm learning Cerakote. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've got, I, I have 50 of them done now, whether people would want to, you know, if I'm going to work a deal out to where, you know, if you want one, I'll just sell it to you for regular price. I'll, I'll take one in you burnt know. bronze. No, I just have them in red, bro. <laughs> We're going to need to get some burnt bronze then up in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had two in burnt bronze, but I gave those away. Oh, um, oh, Mark, you're killing me. That's my color. Yeah. That's my color. I really I, oh. Yeah, I, I, I got rid of them, you know. Uh, How'd they look? I had two prototypes. Oh, they, they, <laughs> any of it looks really cool, you know, anything, you know, in, 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 uh, in the painted models, you know. If they don't look cool, I don't send them out, you know, but getting back to my story of, of, you know, if anything happens to me, in other words, what I'm getting at is everybody that bought one of my all titanium hammers in 2000 or in 2001 or two, think about it. They've worn out the claws on their, they've worn out the claws and they've, uh, and basically they have to get rid of the hammers, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if you own my handle, 20, 30 years from now, all you got to do is get on the website, buy a new grip and a new head, stick it on there, and you got a brand new hammer. It's very true. Meaning that Mar- Martinez never goes away. You know, and it's not just that, but also you have the sledgehammer, or I mean, or I guess right. the bigger head attachment, which do you plan on doing any other head styles per se? I have a whole nother hammer head attachment um, in the way wings right now. Really? Is that something we can uh, that, talk about today? That su- it supersedes what I have now. But it's a slippery slope. I mean, this one right here, the handle system will fit any head on the hammer wall. From a soft blow to a axe to a ball team. When you walk in and you look at a hammer wall, my new handle design will incorporate every single head on that wall. Really? Every single head. Yep. And when when will that be uh, launching? Or is that the current, when you say the new Uh, one, the current one? Man, I have so many things on the drawing board right now. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, don't ask me what's happening to me in terms of how I'm coming up with these ideas and these con- you, you know, you guys are feeding it, man. You 
You guys are throwing so many logs on the fire. Haven't you ever built that fire? You got to stand back 30 feet. Yes. You know what I mean? You go, damn, stop throwing wood on it. You know, you're killing me. One thing I was, I wonder, do you feel like you're more creative and inspired now with your work than you were ever before? Because I follow you on Instagram and it seems like there's not a moment you're not living, breathing, you know, drinking Martinez tools. I, you, you nailed it on, on the nail head. I'm living inside of Martinez tools. Literally, literally. Martinez tools is my world. Okay. I never go home from it. It's it, around me 24 seven. And it, the thing is, is I'm, I'm seeing things. I'm, touching things, I'm looking at things and, and I know things uh, and it's crazy. It, it's, it's, it's the most insane. And yes, to answer your question, never felt so, so creative, but uh, it, it's, it's hard to explain, you, you know, because I try and revert back to my emotions of going through Stiletto. Stiletto was scary, terrifying. You know, Martinez is enjoyable. It's, there is no fear. You know what I mean? If I fail, my, my stuff will live on forever. You, you know what I mean? Regarding the people that have bought into it, as long as they have those handles, somebody will make the heads and the grips accessible. So think about if I pulled my stuff off the market today and just said, I'm not making them anymore. I'm going back to ranch and I'm done. You know, anybody that has one of those handles will always have a Martinez. That's some serious customer care. The thing is, is if you didn't get a handle, guess what your handle becomes worth? That's what true. What it becomes worth? <laughs> Quite a bit more. I'd say, I'd say that you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody to be willing to sell it to you at any cost. I would agree with you. You might be able to catch one at a retirement sale. Exactly, or some estate sale, or somebody in a flea market that cleaned out a garage and somebody didn't know what they had. Right. But as long as you own that titanium shaft, you own Martinez technology. That is the key to, I mean, there's still guys that use their grandfather's hammer, and they love it, and and I endorse that 100%, okay? But sooner or later, even those old steel hammers, the grips wear out and turn so smooth that it's like you, you, like somebody poured oil over the grip. You know, you can't grip it anymore. So they generally retire it or, you know, and uh, they should. I sent a picture of my grandfather using one, using an S-wing in 1930. And he's building a, he's building a deck with it. Okay. Or building a chicken coop or something. I don't know. But he's swinging an S wing. So, um, would I like to have that hammer today? Sure. I don't know whatever happened to it, but those guys that are fortunate enough to have their grandfather's hammer, I endorse that. But at the same time, you know, I look at the guys who are going to hand my hammer down to their grandkids, and it's still going to be relevant. What What made you want to do that? Man, that's like, what makes the sky dump rain? Well, you know, some people, I, you know, I, they I, don't I, worry. When they're out, they're out. Whatever happens after they're gone happens after they're gone. They don't. They don't try to do 
uh, a customer care program from the afterlife. Well, here, here you go. What, the way I was looking at it is if I was going to come out of retirement, I was going to have to come out of retirement with a mission, okay? And, you know, I've been called out on Instagram going, you know, hey, well, if you're not doing it for the money, what were you doing when, what was the question? If you're not doing it for the money, what were you doing, what were you doing when you were doing it for the money? And you know what my answer to that is? What? Stiletto. You know, think about it. I'm a young guy, went broke three times trying to develop my tool company. You know, uh, broke is a joke, scared to death, kids in college, all of it. I mean, and then to come up with Titan and make it work and everything and then sell it to a big conglomerate. That, my friend, is what you call the American dream. Okay? <laughs> I'm fortunate enough. Huh? Go broke three times and still make good. Exactly. I just never gave up. I was too stupid to figure out, stop it, man. I mean, isn't once is enough for most people, but I went down three before I came up once. You know, and when I I was running scared that I was going to screw it up. But I had screwed up so much, I knew exactly how not to screw up. That, in, I mean, it's just like everything, you know, when you... And go to do a new uh, a new technique or, you know, the first roof you cut. You know, you don't really know how to cut jack rafters, so you cut a California in instead of jack rafters, okay? Mm-hmm. And then you learn how to do jack rafters and valleys and, and stuff like that. And it's not perfect, but after you, you know, after a while, you learn how to do it, and now you enjoy doing it. Well... I learned how to do it at Seto, and I lived the American dream, and currently living the American dream. So when I came out with Stiletto, I mean, when I came out with Martinez, it was more for the legacy. In other words, if I didn't have something better to do rather than just a Me Too item, you didn't know me again. And nobody ever really known who I was. But when I had that opinion as to seeing my old products, not advancing forward, and I had the answer to moving forward. Like I said in my first podcast, you know, I tried to I tried to get S Wing take it because I did not want back in the business. And here's one one thing that I will tell young entrepreneurs, and I don't call them entrepreneurs; I call them entrepreneurs. Okay, because you got to be full of shit to do this. You, you yeah. know what I mean? It's yeah. crazy. So, um, with that said. The, the one thing that you'll never be able to do is to take an idea, a concept, and believe in it and get somebody else to believe in it too, as much as you do. And nope. nobody can see my vision. Why do you think they, they couldn't see it? Because for an end user like myself to look at it and see the product, you know, it's like two and two equals four. This makes sense to me. Why Why do you think perhaps a big company like S-Wing didn't believe in the vision? You, you want to know how simple that answer is that I finally concluded? Yes. You're going to love this, okay? 
because I know how to do what you do and I know what you do and you know what I do. I know your job just as good as you do. Because mm-hmm. you've lived it and breathed it. Yeah, I'm a third generation general. I'm licensed in two states and able to build a skyscraper if I wanted to. Okay. Not that I want to, you, you know, but uh, the my point is, is what everybody needs to understand is I'm a builder first and a tool designer second. That's what I am. Okay. Now, most tool companies are tool companies. They rely on engineers and salespeople that travel all over, ask questions, what do you want? But all this stuff, they're going off what somebody says. They don't know how to implement it themselves. Now, in the interview, we can show them why it's better, but if they don't think so in their infinite wisdom, or if there's a roadblock of saying, well, that's going to be harder to manufacture, then that's dropped. Where I go, well, if it's harder to manufacture, they'll pay it if it works better. So let's go ahead. You, you, you see what I mean? I, yes. I pet the dog from the tail to the head. I don't pet the dog from the head to the tail. Go against the grain? Always. Always. <laughs> now, that makes perfect sense to me when you put it like that, because you can't describe to a salesman or a tool engineer what, you know, hanging over the side of a wall, trying to nail a 16 on at a super awkward angle and how much of a difference that hammer will make until you do it. Oh, you only need it once and it pays for itself because you haven't compromised yourself. Here you go. Here you go. I was inside a company with all that new product information and everything. I knew more about tools and I knew more about what they were trying to do, but I wasn't, I was never asked. I was never, if I said something, it was like, it was like the guy at the Seven Eleven counter giving you little advice. You, you know what <laughs> I mean? Yeah. It's like, what? You, you, you know what I mean? In other words, you just walk out of the store going, well, that guy's problem you, you you see what i mean and like and maybe he was gandhi and he could have saved your marriage you don't know but you were just being looked I, at they, like the crazy old man exactly like like you know why would we take your word for it we have actual people that we go talk to that know these answers and will give us the answers we're looking for and i'm sitting here shaking my head going the guys you're interviewing are hacks next to what I know how to do. do you, but yet, you will throw a, a million dollars at their concepts and you won't throw 10 cents at mine. You strike me it, as someone, too, who would find more value in analyzing the question than worrying about the answer. Always. Always. And it seems always. like a lot of times you see with bigger companies they only want to get an answer, say it's the right answer, and we're going to move out on this. Keep the questions the well, same. No, every I time. totally endorse the big companies because the big companies, if they don't answer to their stockholders and show them gains and profits and their stocks going up, their investors pull their money out, 
company goes down, they start losing money, and consequently the company goes away. So they have to generate a positive, okay? So, you know, and here's, here's what I have to say about big companies, is they have a protocol, and they follow that protocol. You guys are making them change the protocol with this social media shit, okay? And they're having to pay a little bit more attention to it now. You know why that is? Because they're able to ask higher quality questions. People who never had a voice before now have a voice and influence. Exactly. Right. So what I'm doing is I'm taking advantage of it by just showing you what I'm doing. You know what I mean? A lot of people go, man, you're showing all your, you're showing all your cards. I go, who's going to go and try and do what the hell I'm doing and get away with it? All I have to do is tell all my followers, this guy's ripping me off. He'll go away like a bad dream. Do you think this would have been possible for you before Instagram and social media? No. No, it, it would have been possible. The work would have been 10 times more. It would probably, it would take years to do what Instagram did. In- what do you think your key demographic, or what is your key demographic? What are the people you feel you're reaching the most? 20 to 34. And why do you think that age range is so pro Martinez tools because they're not of the old guard. They're of the new guard and the new guard has listened to the old guard. Okay. And the first thing that that, that new guard wants to do is get out there and have what all the big guys have, which are stiletto. But it's just like when the new guard, came in, uh, let's take surfing, for instance, okay? Uh, the whole time that I surfed, when I was a kid, it was all longboard. Mm-hmm. And then I remembered, like, Donald Takayama and a few of those guys started shortening their boards and started shredding waves and stuff. Well, did the longboarders like that? No. Well, I use a longboard because that's what all the guys did. But then all of a sudden, here comes the mysterious Donald Takayama on a short board. And it wasn't even that short. But it was shorter. All of a sudden, I'm going, wow, I wonder if I could ride that. You know, and ooh, that looks really hard, blah, blah, blah. In other words, game just went up, just went up. You know, it's no longer the big old, ooh, the battleship turn on the board and run up and, you know, hang 10 on the nose and slide back and turn that great big old battleship around and everything. Now it's jump on this little short board and do figure eights and cut the wave to pieces and shoot out the back and have a big adrenaline rush. It's just like the, think about the evolution of the skateboard, the steel wheels on a little flimsy, you know, half inch piece of plywood that was four inches wide by 12 inches long suicide you know you hit a grain of sand on a sidewalk you were doing an endo and killing yourself i rode one and then came along the clay wheels wow clay wheels and then the urethane wheel comes along and they start emptying swimming pools and guys are jumping out into swimming pools with their skateboards you see what i'm saying 
Oh, yeah. It's just I uh, grew up skiing. And everybody's following that trend, okay? Now, when trends stop, okay, now look at surfing. Now they have the hydro board. It doesn't matter if you're surfing a chopped wave. You just need the current for that thing. It's smooth as air because it's not riding on the surface anymore. Right. You see, you, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Everything, yes, everything, it's called evolution. I mean, you know, they say men used to walk, you know, like apes. Well, well, if we did or we didn't, you know, they say we did. Well, you know, men used to take a, a stick and tie a rock to it and use it as a hammer. They don't do that anymore. I'm glad we so, don't. <laughs> well, that, that's what I'm saying. So this new younger generation, they have seen change come about so rapidly, so rapidly, that, mind you, somebody that was born in 1990, the internet wasn't there, okay? The cell phone wasn't well, the cell phone was there, but, you know, it was a brick, you know. <laughs> the and phone. You had, uh, yeah, and then you had to hook it to your car and a bunch, you know. I had one of the first portable phones. It was a suitcase, you know. And so now it fits in your shirt pocket, and you run your whole life on it, okay. The computer is now, you know, a, 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 an iPhone sitting in your pocket. So... Think about the evolutionary changes that have taken place. That generation or your generation expects change and they're not afraid of it. That is why that demographic is so strong. They embrace change. They embrace moving forward. They embrace, you know, and I've really noticed that most of the hate that comes down on me, a lot of it comes from older and I don't understand that, you know, like I've been using, I've been using my, you know, uh, I've been using my hammer for 30 years and it's just fine. You know, I don't need this and I don't need that. I didn't ask you and I didn't tell you you had to buy mine. <laughs> I don't know why you're volunteering this information to me, but okay. Have a nice day. You know, it always seems like people need to tell you, like defend what they're doing and then kind of stuff you for what you're doing. And those people are the ones who you never have to worry about being your customer. There's, there's, they're on that pay no mind list. Just keep moving. I left delete block. There you go. There you go. <laughs> you're not welcomed anymore. Now, no, I, 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 I just don't have time. What what would this Mark Martinez now, if you could travel back in time to say when you were starting down this road, what what would you say to yourself back then? Oh man, tenacious. What advice would you uh, give yourself as far as moving forward? Believe in something strong enough, move on it. Don't look back, and most of all. Take no prisoners. And would you say take no prisoners? Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you? It means don't drag other people's luggage along with you. 
and don't drag other people's opinions with you. Don't drag, don't, don't have other people dictate to you how your business should run or try and manipulate you to take advantage of you. In other words, you come at me with some weak stuff like that, I'll shove it down your throat and you'll choke on it. And, and I don't care if I lose the whole doing it. And do you feel like now with Martinez Tools, that's where you have gotten yourself? Oh, definitely. But but I have to say that my public is just, you guys are just the best in the whole world. I mean, the the respect that I get, the, the understanding and everything is so humbling. I mean, my word, you know, I I respect everyone one of these kids, you know, I, I have, I have kids your age, you know, and, you know, um, it's just so mind, mind boggling and so uplifting and I'm living vicariously through every one of my customers and every one of my potential customers, just cause you're not my customer doesn't mean that you're not my friend or you're not my, my equal. Okay. Everybody's my equal. Okay. Do you prove that you're not okay, but maybe you just go to a different drummer and I don't have a problem with that, you know, and if you go to that different drummer, don't bring it over and make me play that drum, you know, I, because I'm not making you play mine, you know, Every, human being. I mean, what I've learned is just, you know what I mean? On, on the truest, sense of the word respect. And that's what I try and do with everybody. It's just respect them. And that is the biggest thing that I've learned over these years is that because I'll tell you, and I've mentioned this many, many times. The public that I go to is probably the most discerning group of people on planet Earth as far as critics. You cannot sell shit to these people. Period. <laughs> No. If you try it, you'll, you'll get your head handed to you, or you'll go broke overnight. You, you know what I mean? You can't do that. You know what I mean? And I look back and I go, well, you can't sell me shit either. So I believe the same way you do. You know, there is no difference. There isn't any difference. And people, might, and people would think, oh, just because somebody's in the trades or whatever, they might not spend money or they might be cheap. They might have certain assumptions about them, but you look at a go to say we have a local boot store in town and there's work boots that cost almost four hundred dollars that guys are buying. Mm -hmm. These guys are buying. Mm -hmm. So obviously, mm -hmm. the mar you know, the markups, the margins, the quality of material are there. But if you made a boot that was that expensive and it was it blew apart, you wouldn't be in business very long. No, it, it would be a one-trip pony. You know, you'd sell one pair of boots to that person, you'd never sell another one. Well, let's face it, you know, you want them coming back and back and back and back and back and back. I mean, I've been, I've been buying, you know, Red Wing boots since 1970. Now I know there's better options out there because Red Wing has opted to go the other way. Corporate problems. Mm -hmm. in, in lieu of innovation. So now guy that snaked in and come underneath them and said, I'm going to bring it back. What, so, there what, 
what boot would you recommend on that, uh, touching on that a little bit? There's a company out of uh, Spokane, Washington that I've been looking at. I really want them to make me a pair of boots. I mean, they look incredible. They look like old Red Wings. Is that the um my first pair I'll tell you how old I am, my first pair of red wings cost me twenty dollars and eighty cents. <laughs> a little 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 less expensive than it is today. Yeah. But that's how long I've been wearing red wings. Because my father, you know, he was a very, very frugal man. You know, very. But like he said, you never ever buy a cheap pair of boots ever because your feet is what feeds you i i would agree with that 110 percent. i have a buddy his thing is you know buy once cry once I've, obviously you'll be buying more than one boot but it's 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 that mentality and all that's what i would say to anyone who questions the price of the hammer is you're going to be using this every day a lot you know, right, do you, do you right. want you want to be right. like my dad with bad wrists? You know, when you're sixty something years old, I don't think you do. No, no, you. Don't. I'm just telling you, you don't. <laughs> you know, and 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 I'm living proof of it. You know, I swung a thirty-two ounce stiletto. You know, and it completely destroyed my arm. But was I fast? Could I pound that? Yeah. But there wasn't a better option at the time. Now, you guys have way better options, you know, with lighter hammers, more ergonomically designed, or the whole cha-cha. And um, there's just so much to it. But, you know, on the other hand, that I don't know, a lot of people don't understand is I was a doctor's wife for 20 years, okay? And she was an occupational medicine and an emergency physician and board certified and I one time bought a boot at the, Occup- the occupational medicine conference world conference for in workman's comp and you wouldn't believe all the doctors and in different industries that came up and talked to me well what other hammer company put a booth at the world uh, of Occupational medicine in San Francisco. Have you ever heard of a tool company doing that? I have not. That's what I got out of it. I got out of it. Doctors writing prescriptions to the workman's comp for them to swing a stiletto for their soft tissue injuries, i.e. carpenter elbow. Uh, <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> I mean, how many people thought in the box? That's some out-of-the-box thinking right there. Well, it wasn't a matter of guys guys coming into the doctor and saying, my arm is killing me. What kind of hammer do you swing? Well, I'm swinging a steel hammer and everything. Well, here, I'm going to write you this script for a titanium hammer. And you need to go out and procure and see if that helps. Well, these doctors started getting all kinds of cases that were reversing the injuries and everything. Guess what happened to Stiletto? Moved on up. Exactly. Moving on up. And, you know, uh, and there, there is so much to it. But 
the, what made me go to that conference was me knowing about the soft tissue injuries and how important it is for doctors to know that a better technology from those injuries that they treat is available because that's what doctors go to those conferences for is to learn things that are going to further their, their ability to diagnose and to treat. Which I'm sure they're all looking for an edge up, you know, to be that doctor with a little more insight than the next one down. All the road. of them, all of them, you know, I didn't tell you, the, you know, what the egos are like on physicians. I think everybody knows that. Oh, my you best know, friends. I was one. married. To one my yeah. Best and I'm, I'm, he carries himself a little bit different. I know he does, <laughs> you know, just because of, of what he went through to have that title. Yeah, he's a, you know, he's, some some take it to an extreme, and others are pretty good about it. You know, he's he's um, definitely different. <laughs> he grew up that, working uh, working that, for us, and he was a great worker. That, and he still that, wears Carhartts to this day to work to work. There you go. There you go. Uh, my good buddy Doc Gaines, who who you know. Uh, when my son was shot, he took care of my son. And when I had my tractor accident on the ranch, he put my leg back together. But Doc Gaines, you know, shotguns, the cough cuffs off his front seat, and kicked the papers out the door to, to ride with him. And then when you get to the hospital, like my son said, he goes, I knew I had the right doc when I looked over going into surgery and he was putting a big dip in his lip. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you that's know. The, that's the thing. There's there's like two kinds of doctors I know of, and one's the fancy kind, yeah. and then the other's a redneck. <laughs> right, and and I love both because they're they're both professionals, but at the same time, it's that thinking out of the box that changes things, and that's what I'm trying to do with Martinez is just live outside the box. I have no restraints on anybody telling me to get back in the box. Okay. Only people that can tell me to get back in the box are my people. Now I see that happening. And so far, <laughs> no, nobody's telling me to get back in the box. So as long as I'm living outside the box and they're telling me, oh, go for it, Mark, and I show you a drawing on a prototype on something you're doing, you know, and you've always got the guys going, oh, what's that going to run? $500. You know, dude, really? Really? I mean, you know, why don't you go live under some other bridge? You know, if, if if you want to be a troll, don't don't troll me, please. You know, I don't want to have time for it. Two, you know, I'm I mean, um, I'm taking care of a lot of people with with this. You know what I mean? And I plan on taking care of more people. You, you know, so Martinez is doing it for the right reason and doing the right things with what they're doing. That's what I can tell you unequivocally. And I don't want to sit here and grandstand. You know what I mean? What I'm telling you is that um, people and organizations are benefiting from it. You know, so uh, wait till I get a little bit further out. And, um, you know, I, what I want to really get into is, is working out a scholarship fund for trade schools. You know, you know I, I want that's, that's something I would like to talk to you a little bit about. Uh, why do you think we are having record low numbers of people going into the trades? 
You really want my opinion of that? I wouldn't have asked if I didn't want it. Oh, man. I just feel that this is just too easy anymore. It's just too easy. You know, and uh, people, uh, from what I view, and, and, I'm, and I'm speaking, you know, I, I have kids this age, you know. Um, so I, I, I really, and, but I, I, I remember a doctor who knew my kids, you know, and I was saying, you let the kids get away with that? And I remember him yelling back at me, he was pissed, right? I go, you let your kids do that kind of stuff? And he looked at me and he goes, I'm not raising road warriors like you. Because if my kids saw weak shit, man, I'm telling you, they would just look at me and they'd tell me, Dad, let's blow this popsicle stand. We're out. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and that's what my kids would tell me in those words. Because I'd use them. I'd go, come on, kids, let's blow this popsicle stand. We're out of here. Right on, Dad. Was, you know? And when they'd get around spoilers, they what is up with that? You know what I mean? And they couldn't comprehend it. But what's interesting is now that my kids are college educated and off in professional jobs and everything, they've always accelerated and gone to the top. But my one daughter, you know, she has 30,000 <laughs> iron workers under her as the HR manager. I, you know, and uh, steel workers, okay? These are not namby-pamby dudes, you know? And she can hold her own. And she's extremely pretty. So, you know, she'd take your head off, you know? My for Blackwater, okay? And the she came home, well, she called me up one time, and she actually came home, and I was talking to her, and she goes, Dad, my managers or my bosses all tell me in my views that the reason I, I've been promoted so fast and where I've gone is because they say I'm old school. <laughs> they say I, I think and I act old school, you know, but I beat that into my kids, not beat it physically, but I wouldn't let them, I wouldn't give them quarter, man. I wouldn't give them quarter. And here's the thing. I wouldn't even buy them a, a Nintendo. My kids never got a Nintendo. So you know what I did? You know what I did? I went to the computer store, and I found Mario teaches typing. Came home, and I told him, hey, I bought you Mario. Because all the kids would come to school, and they'd go, oh, my friends play Mario. And I told them, we can't have Mario. So I go, I've got Mario. So then I stuck Mario on the computer and they thought that they were learning Mario like their friends or until they'd go over to their friend's house to play Mario. They'd go, well, this isn't the same Mario I have, <laughs> but, but here's what I'm going to tell you is each one of my kids can type over a hundred words a minute. That's, that's awesome. Uh, do you, do you, you see you see my thinking there? Yes, yes, it's brilliant. I, and, uh, and do you actually, remember? Do you remember? You remember the game Prince of Persia? Yeah. Did you ever meet anybody that could beat it? No, I didn't have it. My parents were from the old school of I just didn't get anything. So. <laughs> right. 
Well, the thing is, my son begged, borrowed, and stole one of Prince of Persia. Well, I put it on the computer, and you know what I did? What? I didn't give him a control stick, no joystick. It was all command and keyboard driven. Uh huh. And he beat it on a keyboard. Damn. So it, the eye visual hand coordination, they excelled at piano. They excelled at my one daughter plays seven instruments. You, you see the hand eye? In other words, I was taking their video game experience and educating them with it, and they didn't even know it. Yeah, it's a nice little workaround. Exactly. But you're asking me, it all goes back to, to, I guess what it is that my kids tell me that I gave them, that they see a lot of friends, you know, that aren't doing what they're doing, is work ethic. You work in the trades, you better have a work ethic. Because if mm. you don't, you're not going to last until the whistle blows at 3 o'clock. That's very you true. You won't make it. And it- Dad, what, he would, the first thing he would do when he hired a young man is he'd go grab that broom over here and sweep this job. Either he was going to stay or he was going to get his ass thrown out. Nine times out, he got thrown out. They didn't know how to sweep. Yeah, it, that's, I see that problem. Whenever it comes to us hiring, not know how to sweep. did and not know how to sweep. Now your clientele is mostly guys my age, maybe a little younger, and mm-hmm. I have two little boys, and I end up spending quite a bit of time with them. To mm-hmm. new dads or dads of young kids per se, what would your advice be to them when it comes to? Raising kids. My motto, and I went over this with my daughter, okay? Now, this is real unorthodox. It's old, old, old school, okay? I never wanted my children as my friends. I wanted my children to fear the shit out of me. Just fear me, okay? And the reason I want them to fear me is because I was going to keep them from, you know, that fear was going to keep them in check. Now, granted, they were kids. They messed up just like any other kids, okay? But I think it was cut to a minimum on the fact of the seriousness in which I handled things, okay? But when I say I didn't want my kids to be my friend, I didn't say I didn't want them to love me, okay? Mm. By them being my friend, they confuse friendship with love, okay? Now, what I wanted was them to grow older and then fall in love with me. And that's what happened. Hmm. Now they love me for what I did. At the time, they hated me for what I was doing. But now they love me for what I did. Do you, in other words, they'll grow to become my friend. I'm not going to make them my friend. They need to learn how to become my friend. And the way you have a really, really, really good friend, and you can just think about this real hard, okay? The way that you know you have a really, really good friend is that friend respects you as much as you respect him or her. It's a mutual respect. Hmm. So, yeah. Makes a lot of sense. 
I'm telling you, telling you, you know, you everyone, all three of my kids are at the pinnacle of their positions. Can't go any higher. And they, one's 33, one's 30. I mean, two are 30 and one's 33. Twins. You know, and yeah, twin daughters. That's like raising a frog to feed the snake. Oh. You know, so, yeah. You know, but I'll tell you what, you wouldn't want to come up on either one of them and think you were going to be cute. You know, they've got to handle themselves, in other words. No, I bet. You know, I used, I used to take my kids into San Francisco into the hate. Mm-hmm. And I used to sit on stoops, just pick a stoop out, watch the hate. And I'd show my son what a prostitute was, what a pimp was, you know, what a drug deal looked like, what, you know, what a drug addict looked like and stuff, just with people walking on the street. Hmm. And how to pick that stuff and how you feel around it, you know? If you feel uncomfortable, they will sense you. They will become predatory on you. But if you know there, just like the boogeyman being in the room when your mom turns out the lights. Kind of like how a dog senses fear. Any, well, I guess any predator. Exactly. And man has a better sense of that than any animal. But mainly what, what man does is they fear the unknown. Well, how are my kids going to fear it if they dad taught them what it was? That's very true. Well, that's my take on it. Not <laughs> saying I was perfect. And I'd probably be a little bit different if I did it again. Probably. Here's, here's what I have to say, and I'm going to be behind, okay? I met my wife trying to get a bisectomy. I didn't want kids, all right? <laughs> and, I, and I married the doctor, all right? That's a true story, okay? So upon us deciding to have kids, it was her that wanted them. I didn't. I said, okay. Uh, if we do this, one of us is leaving our career behind and we're going to pay attention to these kids because they're going to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. And that was my mission. So I took that on the same way that I took on being CEO of Stiletto and Martinez Tools. Okay? No nonsense, no bullshit, no nothing. Strict but fair, very fair. And let them go. Let them make their mistakes. Don't try and harbor them. Don't try and fence them in. Let them go out, make their big mistakes. Let them go and do that. But then be there to catch them and show them where they made their mistakes or to try and enlighten them as to how to stay away from those mistakes. Okay? Now, when I decided to do that and everything, the intensity of what I ran Stiletto at was pretty intense. I'm just going to tell you, I was an intense individual. So I was using the tenacity because I didn't, I didn't really have anything to do but raise kids. Well, I raised them like I was the CEO of, of child care, Martinez Child Care. Follow me? Mm-hmm. Same regimented, strict kind of get the shit done. Don't bullshit me. You know what I mean? I was doing that whole thing that they build these companies on with these kids. 
The thing is, here's the bad thing. I was using an intensity that I watch grown men cry when I do it to them. And I'm thinking, how in the hell did my kids deal with that? You know, I would deal with them with something that would probably take a mark at a three or a four. And I was hitting them with an eight or a nine. Was it necessary? Hell no, it wasn't. I could have got the same effect out of a three or a four. But then fast forward. My kids are not intimidated by anybody. And they tell me that all the time. They go, you're trying to intimidate me? Are you kidding me? You know who my dad is? Do you know what I went kid? Bring a better game, dude. Is there anything you would do differently if you were to go back? Oh, hell yeah. I mean, let me let me ask you the same question. What's your answer? Mm. There's a few specific events in my life I would do differently, but other than that, I would do everything same. the same. What's that? Well, you answered my question. You know, I think we all have that, those few, you know, handful of regrets. When you zigged and you should have zagged or this or that. But other than that, I would have wrote it the same. The thing is, is think about, think about what you just said, okay? Everything that you went through made you who you are. Change one thing and that are you the person today is not having done to that. No. No, and that, that is the one thing I do believe is if it could have gone any other way, it would have gone any other way. So, Exactly. So here's, here's the point. You know, I grew up on some mean, nasty streets when most of my friends, either you came out of there dead or in prison, one of the two. I was one of the lucky ones. I saw that come, got out. Doesn't mean I don't know what that life's all about. I do. You know, but do I want myself? No. I've never been arrested. I don't ever want to be arrested. I've never had to run into the law, and that's it. And I'm for that. You know, but having come from where I come from, it wasn't an easy choice. Because when you run into peer pressure like that, you know, they're, they're wanting to stomp you because you won't do the stupid shit, you know. So you had to run around with these guys that were capable of shooting you in the head and be okay to talk to them and then go talk to teachers or go talk to whoever you had to talk to, but you knew that side and the side. And you had to play both sides. I guess it really prepared me for running companies, you know? Yeah. Or, you know, and I'll tell you what, I worked on job sites where I guarantee America's most wanted were on them. Huh. You know? Uh, I'll never forget our forklift driver who traveled with us, you know, with San Quentin Paroli. And this dude was nasty, man. I mean, mean beyond me, you know. I know that he had, <laughs> I know he put a lot of people down at the bottom of a mine shaft. Couldn't prove it, but I just know who this guy was, man. And I, and I was young, and he, but I came off some mean streets. I knew who he was right away, and I knew how to respect him. But 
just give you, for instance, one time the, the, on this 300-unit apartment building, <laughs> the electricians tried to, tried to give him some shit. He raised his forks and drove through that whole job and took every temporary power pole out. Jesus. And those electricians had a small. Do you think they gave him shit again? No. A great big grizzly bear truck driver came out one time, and we had him up on the second floor helping us raise walls. You know, hey, man, you want to come up here and help us raise walls? I'm not going to say his name. You know, and yeah, yeah, he called me little buddy. He goes, hey, little buddy. So he comes up there, and he's helping us raise walls. It was about 10 in the morning, and this truck driver, this big grizzly bear guy out of Oregon or Washington, comes walking to the job site going, hey, where's the forklift driver? He needs to get his ass down here and get the truck on, unloaded for me. And, of course, his forklift is parked right next to our building. And he down there. So he sticks his head between two steps Oh the forklift driver, and he sticks his head between two steps, and he goes, he goes, are you the forklift driver? And he goes, who wants to know? And he goes, me, I need that truck. And he goes, listen, he says, come down off this building right now, you're going to think that you tangle with a baby grizzly bear, okay? <laughs> you just go back over to your truck, and you sit there, and when I got time, I'll get to you. It was 10 in the morning, right? And this guy wants to unload and get his dead head back to the mill, right? I'm pulling out of that job at a quarter to five that And Hank was just starting to unload his truck. Yeah. So, play with and how you play, you know? If you want to, if you, you want to, if you want to play like a jerk, just expect to be treated like a jerk. And that's what I find so cool about all, all you guys, man, just coming out and uh, the outpouring of support and everything. God, I, I, just, I just want to do so much for everybody, as much as I can. In fact, I'm having to disconnect a lot because I'm just overloading myself with personal favors. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at how long did it take me to get a hold of me to do this. Right, right. Really didn't want to do it. But committing myself to tape, maybe my grandson one day will find this tape and listen to it and find out who his grandpa is. It's very true. And I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, you know, it's, um, I'm not trying to hide anything. You know, I, I, I love my customers so much. I mean, they're, as far as I'm concerned, you're part of my family if you're part of the company, you know what I mean? Because I'm here for you, just like family is, you know? And I try and project that. Not. And here's another thing. Family doesn't make you happy every single time. True. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not perfect. I don't profess to be perfect. I don't try to be perfect. You know, I try to do the best job I possibly, humanly possible. And humans have errors and faults that fall short quite a bit. So, all I try and prevent from happening. It's falling short. 
Well, I think you're doing a pretty darn good job with Martinez Tools. <laughs> yeah, we, we sort of got off the subject of a lot of things, but, you know, and into philosophies, but Martinez Tools is something that, you know, um, I'm very, very proud of, and um, I want to continue to help everybody the best way I possibly can and uh, just see to it that, you know, I, I stay, I stay the course and stay the course, but um, well, I, 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 another answer your, uh, another part of your question regarding why nobody's coming into the trades is I don't think young people know that if, they work really hard and what a wonderful profession it is. And, and the gratification is enormous. I love having people around and showing them houses that I built or buildings I worked on or bridges that I helped build or, you know, just a plethora of things that I've built over the years. And, you know, I can say I had a that. I built that from the dirt up, you know, I built that one from the dirt up. And um, it's all very fine. Very gratifying. It is. It's extreme. There's not many other jobs where you could turn around and have that kind of gratification. But how do you pass that on to this new generation? You know, to me, it's, it was a bastion for, for kids to get into the trades who didn't want to go to school. Yeah. That's what it seems to still be. Right, right. But, you know, and to me, it's, it's it's a very honored profession that very proud to say that I'm a I'm a builder and a carpenter and a, you know um, just as much as I am to say that I'm an entrepreneur with um, with tool design capabilities you know one I, I can't do one without the other in other words. No. Well, you certainly wouldn't have been able to do it at the level you've done it. That's for sure. With the insight. There you go. There you go. There you go. You know, I'm, I'm sort of cheating, you know, because I can talk to a tradesman and he can describe, describe the procedure to me. And I know exactly what he's talking about. I not only know the tools he's using, I know the materials he's using and I know the techniques he's using in order to accomplish what it is that he needs done. If, and I know we're running a little short on time here, but to put a maybe a nice bow on this, what can people expect from Martinez Tools maybe over the next year or two? What kind of stuff can we expect to see coming down the pipe? Well, okay. Impossible to answer that question. No way can I answer that question. You know, and let me give you an example, okay? Jimbo and I were hanging out here at Christmas and it's just before Christmas. And I tell Jimbo, I go, Hey Jim, man, I go, you know, what about the framing square? And in fact, I don't even really know the story. Yeah. I just know that we were talking about it. And so he went in and designed one. I said, do you think we can get one cut? And he goes, well, we have something being cut right now. I go, throw it on the cut list and see if we can get one cut. He goes, I'll get a couple of them. So he gets one cut, and we get them. 
he lasers them. We call our patent attorney. We tell him what we're on to. Patent attorney comes and writes a provisional patent, and the new framing square is born. And it started out with a conversation one morning, and seven days later, we have working prototypes and a patent on it. Did I know we were going to do that seven days prior to that seven days? No. Just manifest. I don't know how to explain it. I, I keep saying that, and I don't know what it's going to take for me to condemn. I have no course for this. <laughs> I, I have no clue what I'm doing here. <laughs> I have no clue. None. Not so even people, a little bit. People just I, have to stay I tuned to Instagram. That. Exactly. And that, and that's my best avenue to say, hey, look at, you know, like, wait till you see this other thing we came up with that we're going to make two of them. Hopefully we have them in Providence. Going to blow everybody's minds. You're going to go, okay, this son bitch went over the top, you know, and I don't know if it'll be a success or not, but it's definitely cool. And I would use one, you know, but for instance, you ever use a table saw? Yeah. Is it going to be a push deck? Nope. What happens? Describe to me what happens when you go to change. Describe step by step what you do when you change a blade on a saw. Uh, I mean, on a. On our saw, we have one of the. Uh, well, you got to. You need a screwdriver to pull off the um, guard around the blade. Okay. Right. Then you got to pull out the, raise the blade up. Well, make sure it's unplugged. Lock it out. Make sure, pull out the uh, little specialty wrench they have tucked in. Stop right there. Stop right there. What did you just say? The specialty wrench. Okay. Okay. The specialty wrench. The little guy, little flat wrench. (laughs) I don't know. Is there a name for that? that? Uh, no, where's it at? Hopefully, hopefully you can find it. Usually, it's tucked into the side of the saw. Yeah, but the last guy that changed it didn't put it there. Now where you? No, at. that's very. Then you're going to look for a uh, any kind of wrench you can anything. You're going to look for anything to get that nut off. <laughs> but what should have taken you minutes to do is now turned into a frustration. I'll kill the. I'll kill the sucker who took that wrench. I told him a hundred times to put that wrench back. It has a place right here. Do you think that they would put it back? What the hell is so difficult about putting that wrench back? Now I got to go grab. Now I can't find the right size wrench. And now I'm trying to use a crescent wrench. It just slipped off. I banged my knuckles. I'm pissed. Oh, and the worst part is when you're the the last guy who used it and you didn't put it back. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Okay. But, then then you're just kicking yourself in the butt okay right. so but did you am i am i making this stuff up or do you relate oh. to what i'm saying oh i know i i i know exactly i know that exact scenario very well i've been on both sides of it okay what would you think if i told you that there was a table saw wrench in the bottom of your carpenter square. That would be pretty awesome. Yeah. 
because it has a handle where it bends and it has a grip on it with levels, right? Right. Well, you drop that in there, you pop the blade loose, you put the new blade on, you tighten it, and then you pull the square around and you square your blade. Boom. Everything you need right there. That's a great idea. And it's thin enough. That's what I do. See, I could, you definitely have no idea what you're coming up with next. Because I could see any, there's so many scenarios like that that play out on the job site. But do you know how I know how to develop that? Experience. Because I'm the ass that lost the wrench. Exactly. <laughs> we've all, we've all been that guy. <laughs> hey, 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 go look in the mirror. I think you'll see him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? What's worse is when you'd say, it wasn't me, I didn't lose it, and then it's in your bags. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who took that? Well, look down. It's in your bag, jackass. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you don't know. But how handy would that be for the same tool that you're going to use to square up your fence and your table and your blade also is strong enough and universal enough to grab the bolt and take off the blade of your table saw. Oh, it'd be perfect. Incredibly convenient. Yeah. Huh? You know, who's thought of that? Now, if you can make it a push stick, too. <laughs> Never thought about that. Oh, I'll tell you what, having gone from not using that's the one thing I did learn in college push sticks. <laughs> There's really good idea. Save some fingers. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. If the heel, if the heel on it was aluminum, and I configured a push stick, and the heel is a half inch thick. Mm-hmm. If I turn that into a push stick, push stick would be six inches long. Mm-hmm. But I could build a cleft into it that would grab the material and push through. But you wouldn't want to try and push anything less than three quarters through there because you might hit that metal, that aluminum. Well, the, th- the thing is, if you're cutting off something as three quarters, and you, if you have a bigger piece, you should really be cutting the thin piece to the other, opposite side of the blade instead of wedging that. it between your fence and your blade, right? Very good point. But you see people doing it that way because they're trying to split a piece of material that's an inch and a half. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that, yeah, that or... Uh, you know, they might want to just save some and time. And you're going to find somebody to... that, okay, here's here's the way that my mind thinks and being in the tool industry and construction as long as I have, okay? It's only take one jackass to try and cut a three-eighths piece of material through there with that half heel on there. And that metal hits and it kicks back and that blade spins around sticks in his chest. That's... That's definite uh, possibility. I mean, you could write laser engrave engrave right on the edge they'd look at. Do not use for uh, anything under three-eighths or under half an inch. I mean, my my thing is, though, I'd rather cut a tool than a blade in my fingers. But But here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. And that's why most of the plastic... 
so that nobody will just go cutting on through it and doesn't hurt anything. You, you know what I mean? Sure. Uh, probably wouldn't kick back with aluminum. You would know you're hitting and dulling your blade at that point. But it would just take something like that, and it would be problem. But mm-hmm. I could definitely make that heel a push stick. No doubt about it. But do I want, I mean, for the convenience of what that is, I want the liability. Probably not. Lawyers would tell you definitely not. Me, maybe, because I like it. (laughs) Yeah, so the thing is, that's an option that somebody can take and cut a push stick into the handle of it. But to me, the bull branch is a no-brainer. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And it's anytime you can save one extra move in construction is a win. You know, the same thing you tighten that blade on is the same thing you're going to calibrate the blade with. Right, right. Only thing that make it better if it had a push stick in it. <laughs> okay. All right. No. But I hope this thing comes out sounding okay. Please edit it to where I don't sound stupid. I, I'll, you know? <laughs> I'll be honest. I I don't edit my podcast very much because my I think my listeners have always enjoyed them unedited but I will I'll I'll try to any big air gaps I'll edit it out other than that man it is this is to me this is the perfect kind of conversational podcast I look for so I really you know I have no I have no doubt you will you'll sound yeah, good on it I mean most of all what I, I I want everybody to know is I have nothing to hide I'm transparent you know, and I want to thank everybody for what they're doing for me. You know, as a as somebody who is moving into moving into age, you know, and all of us go there. I mean, I'm fortunate enough to be moving into that. You know, sister and my brother weren't fortunate enough. I lost them. You know, but you know, for me to be there is really gratifying, and to be there with so many, so much outpouring of support and, and, you know, just, just general good feelings with people is just the, it's just the, is the cherry on top of the cake. I'm telling you, it's, it's really, um, cool, really cool. And Walmart. I'm happy that this is happening and I will do it as long as I'm happy. Well, I'm glad you're doing it. And I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. So thank you, you for got that. It. And we're going to have to talk about getting that uh, burnt bronze on one of your hammers. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll, I'll work on that one. That's something um, I won't let go of. Yeah, I know how to Cerakote now. I know how to Cerakote now. Perfect. So should I put a special note in when I order it? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, burnt. you need to. I don't have any. I don't have any burnt bronze Cerakote, but you know that's another thing. He, you know, I had a big island. You know those big stainless steel uh, island barbecues that people put out by their pools or in their big outdoor kitchens and stuff. Yeah. You know, and you could put twenty hamburgers, thirty hamburgers on it and stuff. 
Yeah. I have one of those. I have one on my patio, right? But I can't use it anymore for meat because I use it as I used it as an annealing to heat treat on my hammerheads. <laughs> and and Jimbo built a rack and stuck the rack inside of it so that I could uh, cure Cerakote handles. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what I'm telling you is that let's get it done. Hell you yeah. Know? That's what I'm talking about. That's ingenuity right there. Yeah, you know. Uh, and people tell me, you know, oh, you can't do this. Or, oh, you can't do that. I just say, why not? Why not? Well, there you go. Well, Mark, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. If you are not following Martinez Tools already on Instagram, or if you don't have a titanium hammer yet, and you swing one for a living, then you should get one of his. Uh, until next time, this has been The Adventurous Gentleman. Get out there and get after it.